glycosides used within our crops to control for pesticides and purportedly to increase the crop yield. That means more food available to the planet. But what we're finding is year after year, the plants are weakened, more weeds grow instead of the plants. Uh, the virulence of issues, just like with too much use of antibiotics. Doesn't lie. That's right. You can get a copy right now. The Kindle version is out, and I am so excited to know. And you know what? I've been working on this book. I wanted you to all to find out the truth about blood and how. We can analyze and understand our environment, our immune system, our health. It all comes together here. And this show is the most important show. I want to introduce you to some of the beliefs and concepts and thoughts that I've reviewed through in terms of Zach Bush and his approach and concept about the terrain. Let's jump right in and uh, I'll make my comments, as you know. Here we go. What I believe is being referred to as terrain, uh, a, a new concept, terrain theory that your body expresses perhaps the measles from the inside. It's already there. I've heard it described as perhaps it's like a channel that's turned on or something that's turned on. Can you give me, because I still am waiting for an explanation and I know that ex exosomes might be a part of this. Can you try to convince me uh, that our body creates these things from the inside. What is your theory on that? Because I'm still very, very confused uh, about this idea. Sure. Well, uh, terrain theory is actually not that new, although it is gaining some traction right now. And a lot of people in the natural healing space actually devise their approaches based on terrain theory. And essentially what it says is rather than a germ coming from the outside and causing an illness, that germs actually are part of the repair mechanism after there's damage to our tissue from an illness. So there'd be some insult uh, that causes an illness and you know, commonly that could be uh, related to malnutrition, like a breakdown of a tissue, not being able to function. It could be a toxic exposure. There are many sources of that. It could be a traumatic injury. And once the uh, damage is halted, then your body basically calls on microbes from different areas to come and clean up the area just like they do in nature. And during the cleanup process, and they work in tandem with our immune system, they would secrete factors that would cause local symptoms like tissue swelling in order to increase the blood flow to that area to bring nutrients for repair and to remove toxic waste. It would also cause secretions, right, like the runny nose that you have in a cold, which is basically your body's way of expelling the waste products from that tissue damage out of your body. Um, so that's essentially um, the model of terrain theory. The science behind it was put forth by a number of different scientists, including Antoine Béchamp, who was a contemporary and rival of Louis Pasteur, uh, as well as Enderline and Gaston Naissance. And they have mapped out basically these tiny little particles that come from our own cells. And they've viewed these, and you can view videos of this under a microscope. It uses a special kind of microscope called a dark field microscope, which allows us to visualize cells while they're alive. In regular medicine, they always use dead and fixed tissue under the microscope, so you could never observe the behavior of the cells. 
But what you see under dark field microscopy is that, let's say you're looking at a sample of red blood cells, you see these little spots of light or flecks of light and they bud out of the cells and then they start changing their shape into different forms. And this kind of cyclic development has been mapped out by those scientists that I mentioned and shown that basically they change shape into different mature forms of bacteria and fungi, all the microbes that normally live in our body. And that in response to a specific illness, they might change shape into certain species that are better at responding to that part of the body or cleaning up that type of damage. And so it's really fascinating to see how this has all come together through these scientific experiments and that overall uh, property or process is known as pleomorphism, where the organisms can change their shape, which pleomorphism means many shapes. Do you think this pandemic is, is bringing more attention to this concept? So, without a doubt, um, we've discovered uh, many concepts related to, and I, for those of you who know, the reason I wrote the book, um, Blood Doesn't Lie, is because I've been doing blood microscopy for 43 years, and this book is finally uploaded to Amazon, and it really goes into great detail about exactly how your immune system works, what to do, and how to support it. And I also... And bringing in not rejected theories, but scientific data and science that I think you will find uh, quite amazing. This, this information is so incredible. I want you to now hear from one of the most uh, popular speakers. His name is uh, Zach uh, Bush. So let, let me pull him up here uh, a moment and uh, let's hear what, he's, what he has to say here. Okay, give me a second. It'll be impossible for us to prescribe more antibiotics, so we plateaued in our antibiotic prescription thing. But over the same course, the antibiotics used in our animals has gone way up. Right. And so we're using five times more antibiotic today in our beef, pork, and poultry industries than we are in humans. And then you'll add on top of that, so to give you numbers in pounds, we've got around 7.7 7 million pounds of antibiotic used in humans. We have about 30 million pounds of antibiotic used in, in the animal production in North America. In contrast, we have four and a half billion pounds of glyphosate antibiotic in our food chain. And so, again, you know, we can show damage from physician prescriptions. We can show damage from the antibiotics given directly in animals, but nothing touches glyphosate in regard to its wow. just sheer capacity to kill the biome. Has Monsanto responded? I mean, so when we understand the microbiome, and you just heard the numbers. It's astonishing. We're talking about massive amounts of these glycosides used within our crops to control for pesticides and purportedly to increase the crop yield. That means more food available to the planet. But what we're finding is year after year, the plants are weakened, more weeds grow instead of the plants. Uh, the virulence of issues, just like with too much use of antibiotics. Our own gut is like growing, uh, if you think about the soil of, of the planet, and then you think about the soil uh, within our gut. Uh, 
the conversion of eating whole food as it goes through the digestive tract and through the gut it turns into uh, exactly what it looks like it's is like brown and it's it looks like soil because it's loaded with viruses and bacteria and uh, fungi and so forth so let's go a little bit further here and i i want to call your attention to these facts because it's it's so important to to get this here let's let's get that the grocery store you'd be going after colors that you're not used to seeing on the plate and so uh, one of my favorites is definitely the beet you know it's, it's a something that was a staple and through all of history really the beet and the sweet potato these root vegetables that were our winter crops this is what we survived for months of the year on were these these tubers and these big root vegetables these are these were our staples and now they become like you know every nice restaurant in america now has a beet salad where they have some greens and then they have a few chunks of beet i'm talking about eating beets like <laughs> eat, yeah. boil a beet eat a beet you know and the turnip similar to that another great one and then the other roots that we are missing out on on color the radish you know we we toss a few little slices of radish on top of salad we don't eat the radish you know and so consuming these things in their whole uh, amount and a high amount of them can really change the microbiome other radishes that are underutilized are like the black radish, uh, which has got very unique micronutrient in the skin, and then the white daikon radish, which looks like a giant white carrot. The two most powerful things in the herbal world really are is probably cilantro, which is one of the most overlooked uh, pieces of superfood there, and then parsley. Those two are, if you just make a routine pesto out of parsley, you can get an extraordinary superfood experience out of that. Chlorella, you, know, you start to go into the ocean environment, kelps. Uh, the seaweeds, all of these are things that are lacking in the American diet uh, massively. Dr. Bush. So, of course, we're talking about beets, carrots, cilantro, parsley, radishes. In large quantities, our, our bodies were designed to take on substantial amounts of whole, fresh food. So what are we going to do to help people to understand? It, you know... I, I, I'm, I'm one of these guys that I'm a big believer in whole natural foods. And at the same time, yes, I believe in weight training. And yes, the comment, we got to get some of the other plant-based doctors on weight training. And, um, and also you have to consider, you know, we have this diverse microbiome and we need to optimize our hormone levels as we get older. So, uh, I, I don't disagree with that comment. It's very true. And at the same time, I have to say in all due respect, you're talking about some of the plant-based doctors being 70, um, Caldwell Esselstein, 80 something. Uh, actually I'm interviewing Dr. Joel Furman tomorrow, uh, on my live podcast, uh, at 12 noon. So Pacific time. So I really, would love you to tune in. Uh, I believe uh, he's in his, uh, a little younger than me, maybe 63 or so, Dr. Joel Furman. So, you know, it's great because uh, Joel is in great shape. And, uh, you know, I, I think you're going to find it, it, it quite interesting, you know, what we have to share with you. And at the same time, let, let's uh, jump a little bit further in this whole idea of uh, plant-based uh, eating and, 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 and what it really means to us here. Let me pull this up here. Okay, I think you're going to find this one pretty pretty astonishing here. There we go here. 
it's the microbiome. It is the bacteria and fungi that we live within that is the communication network of life. And that's been my exciting journey over the last eight years is to dive into life itself there in the microbiome. I really wanted to reach out to you because we cross each other's paths here and there when we're speaking, um, but you just don't seem to be someone that is tooting anybody else's horn. You really have your own perspective. And I was hoping you could sort of just give me your perspective on COVID-19. I know you're a busy guy. I doubt you watched my show. I haven't been aware of what you've been saying publicly. So I want to just open because you're someone that I really have watched put thoughts together in a way that seemed to resonate. What is your perspective of COVID-19 in this, this, this experience we're all having together on a global level? I think to answer that effectively, I need to just back up away from the current situation and the virus is going to move through the population. And just like every other coronavirus that we've seen that's that's resulted in, in widespread death, it's gone within two years. Uh, the first one was SARS and it, no vaccine, no anything. We just developed herd immunity or adjustment or the, the actual biologic pool for the production of that virus disappeared. And so that was gone. 2002, it happened. By 2003, it was gone. Uh, MERS happens to 2012 by 2013 it's gone no vaccines and so these things are, are sweeping through the environment and um, we make a news story out of a few of those um, SARS MERS COVID but if you look back to like 1976 when we saw this huge uptick in viral syndromes uh, around 1976 is when we started to see species jumping viruses that were really starting to do weird things uh, genomically. We've had 12,800 you know, recorded new viruses in that time, and that's only the ones that we, we managed to record and find and, and categorize. There's probably you know 100-fold that or 10,000-fold that or 10 million-fold that that we haven't understood. The amount of genomic information in the atmosphere and soils and water systems is beyond our supercomputer power to to an, analyze. And so when somebody comes along and says there's a new virus, my first thought is how the hell do you think that's new? Like what is the data that you're basing that on? Have you screened the genomics of, of the viruses on the planet before? And the answer is absolutely you can't. There's 10 to the 31 viruses in the air. There's 10 to the 31 viruses in this ocean water. There's 10 to the 30 viruses in this in the soils. And so we are surrounded. We are literally absorbing. We are breathing. We are through our skin, through our ears, through our eyes, through our systems. We are absorptive machines for genomic information since our origin and far beyond our origin was this genomic milieu that we float within. And so I think we need to be very cautious to say that there's anything new under the sun because it's unlikely that the earth has never seen this before. It's been through six great extinctions. We're in the midst of the sixth one. You know, it's seen cataclysmic events on the planet. It has seen the rise and fall of continents. It's seen, you know, extraordinary shifts in climate. The whole, you know, planet covered in ice at one point, pretty much. And then you've got, you know, the reabsorption of that ice and the rise of oceans. And you've got, you know, massive volcanic events that cover the sky in, in sulfur compounds and toxic acids. and this earth is a history of cataclysmic events. Right now, humankind is the cataclysmic event on the planet. And so we should uh, be aware of our role right now as uh, a force of destruction and a force of 
manipulation of biology at its foundation, and we should be far from startled when we see the collapse of our own health. Uh, it is the most predictable thing scientifically that you could possibly do. Our group is tiny. I'm a self-employed you know, scientist, self-fund my little laboratory. We keep doing what we do because it's interesting. And, and it's, you know, it, it, even if we're going to go march into extinction with the rest of the human, humankind, let's do it with our eyes wide open and celebrate the beauty that we are in. Uh, life is extraordinarily beautiful. And uh, I would include the virus as, as perhaps uh, a, an extraordinary showcase of the beauty. There is a genomic language in, on this planet that we have termed viruses, and then we termed them, I think mistakenly, as part of the microbiome, and then we, and then we made them our enemy. And so we told an extraordinarily damning story of a language of genomics, a language of life. And the story we need to retell is that life is freaking beautiful, and it is adaptive, and it is regenerative, and it's always looking for the next solution. And the way in which we look for solutions and adaptability is through viruses. It's, that's how we do it. That's how life has always done it. And so uh, if you damn a virus, you have just damned the language of, of life itself. I mean, that's confusing, I, mean, that's I think, for your it's quite interesting to understand then that what has been stated as the microbiome is separate from viruses. Viruses are RNA particles. They have genetic information, but it, it has to have a host. And the host, as he mentioned, a number of, say, 6 to the 30th, it's, it's in the trillions. We have trillions of bacteria in our body, uh, in our uh, environment, in our water. Uh, every moment, these viruses are naturally present and should not essentially be eradicated. Because if you eradicated all viruses, we would perish. I know this is hard to understand, but... When a baby is first born and goes through the placenta, uh, 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 that is comes through the vaginal canal and uh, is coming out of, of its uh, cocoon, if you will, it is surrounded with, with bacteria and viruses and so forth. And the body is taking on adaptive signals and becoming life. When we go through every phase of our life, Viruses are part of our body's existence. In fact, viruses oftentimes will penetrate pneumonia bacteria and help to destroy it. So we really have to understand that the human biome is rather critical in the development. And these viruses are part of our system. So we're really challenged when people understand uh, when, when I talk about blood doesn't lie, and, and when you get this book, it'll be so clear to you, endorsed by some of the top doctors in anti-aging and lifestyle medicine. If you take a look at nickdelgado.com and go there, uh, you're going to find out a lot of great things that are, are happening here. But let's, uh, let's peek in a few more minutes, and then we'll wind up our talk today because, you know, the blood of the body, the immune system 
our endocrine system, everything all ties together and it makes so much sense. So here, here let's jump ahead a little bit. A disease that we call polio, but many, many people outside of that small population that are getting sick are being exposed to that polio through their water systems and the like. And so the, these have been natural elements within it, uh, within the environment. Um, HIV looks to be, you know, extremely underdiagnosed. Uh, there's a, a really interesting study that screened 8,000 healthy people with no history of infectious disease, had screened negative through blood banks and stuff like that, and they did genomic analysis for a couple hundred viruses that are known, and they found uh, 42 viruses in the bloodstream uh, of these these patients that were totally healthy and asymptomatic with no history and had screened negative by antibody testing and the like for things like HIV and things like that. And they, they found an extraordinary amount of HIV and hepatitis C and, and uh, all these conditions in this asymptomatic population. Okay, so I, I want to make a, a correction there. It was 94 viruses they found in these over 8,000 people. 42% had definite uh, viral activity, and they're healthy individuals. I mean, that's, that's astonishing. But that's the reality of how the human body exists. Blood doesn't lie. What scientists are purporting right now is the furthest from the truth. And we have to understand that the human biome uh, is part of figuring out the correct mechanism of the human body. So uh, that is absolutely amazing. 94 different viruses found in individuals and uh, here, we'll, we'll jump ahead to the next comment. This is really fascinating. Zach Bush, he's amazing. I'm going to have Dr. Droll Furman on my show tomorrow um, in our series. And uh, that's at 12 noon Pacific tomorrow. But okay, here we go. Which suggests that these microbes are part of our normal daily biologic experience. Occasionally, we will find a syndrome of immune deficiency, which is not a human experience. We can go into what is the human immune system in a minute, but what's happening is there's an imbalance that can suddenly happen where all of these these microbes, and there's so many in the human body, you know, you're at, at you know, 30,000 species of bacteria and, and who knows how many of the 5 million species of fungi and who knows how many of the 300,000 species of parasites. We have done such a poor job of really understanding what the healthy terrain of the human body does. But looking at the hunter-gatherers in Africa right now with the American Gut Project with Jeff Leach, you can see that the American is now walking around with about 10% of the microbiome of the gut that we should have. And so we're 90% deficient. When you become 90% deficient in the ecosystem, you're going to get weeds. And the weeds come in and will overgrow an area, just like they do in your backyard. If you go and rototill your backyard, destroy the, the balanced ecosystem of, of a meadow, you're going to immediately get weeds that come in that weren't there you know, when the biodiversity was there. They, they weren't evident, but they were there because their seeds were, were in the environment enough that when, as soon as there was uh, an opportunity for them to, to, to come into their niche, they would do that. Uh, but we need to, you know, look to the farmers here who are doing regenerative agriculture to find out that the weeds are never the problem. The weeds are the symptom of the collapse of biodiversity. And I would say that same thing for polio, for HIV, for any of these infections is when the biodiversity is there, 
we can reach a homeostatic state where where the the you know hundreds of thousands of species of grasses and you know plant life in a jungle maintain an eco balance and there's no no opportunity for uh, you know disequilibrium or unbalance or disease in in that environment. If you go through and dump a bunch of Agent Orange into that environment, or it's it's close cousin Roundup or glyphosate, and you destroy that jungle, then you're going to see a very unbalanced system, and the weeds come up. But the weeds are not the problem. In fact, they are part of the solution, amazingly. And so the weeds we now find out in regenerative agriculture is uh, part of nature's way of regenerating the ecosystem. And so the weeds have these important early niches in reforming the networks of mycelium and intelligence within the soil that can then rebuild the microecosystems for the bacteria and fungi, and then ultimately the seedlings and the biodiversity come back up out of the seed bank that's deep in the soils and express itself again. And so when we stop disturbing soil and let it return to its native state, where we stop plowing, we stop spraying, and we let nature do its thing, we can see native grasslands that we thought extinct for 200 years come back in. No seeding necessary. It comes oozing back out of the matrix of the soil is life itself and biodiversity itself. And it relies on the stepwise progression of weeds into biodiversity. When we have an unbalanced microbiome of a, of a human, where we take them out of their native balanced state of hunter-gatherer system balanced with their ecosystem, an extension of their ecosystem, and we force them into a village where they have uh, you know, water that's contaminated with feces, they, they can't touch fresh water, uh, we destroy all of the grasses and grassland diversity within their, their village. They're now walking on dead clay, uh, and they have huts that are, are, are trodden down clay. They've lost any touch with that microbiome of soil. That's the beginning of endemic disease. That's the beginning of where we see these imbalances. And tuberculosis is a phenomenal example of a condition that didn't spring for, forth until we created the Industrial Revolution. And suddenly in London and New York, we have you know endemic problems of tuberculosis happening in the cities because we were so divorced from that ecology of balance, that ecology of harmony there. And then you, you zip forward and, uh, back to that regenerative farm and you say, well, okay, so tuberculosis or COVID or any, any microbe you point out, Lyme being a great example right now, is, isn't Lyme just the weed. It's just the organism that found its niche in a damaged ecosystem is, and is on the way back towards. It's doing its role in, in getting us back to biodiversity. And yet as physicians, we've been taught to kill it. As farmers, we've been taught to kill it. And so we rush in and kill all the weeds, and then we wonder why the weeds are worse next year and why our crops are doing worse next year so that we have to put in more nitrogen fertilizers and chemical inputs and all of this. And the plants are weaker, so they're more prone to pests and stuff, so it's more herbicides, more pesticides, and, and we get into this vicious cycle. And then we wonder why our children have gone from 1.2% of chronic disease to, to, by most recent Medicaid screens, 52% of children with a chronic disorder or disease. 1.2 to 52% since you know, the 1960s. And so what in the last 50 years has created this, this epidemic of, of biologic you know, denuding our biological loss in our children and in our farmland? And the answer is a war against the microbiome. And so when we see the emergence of something like COVID or something like HIV, we can be confident that 
the HIV wasn't the problem. It, it was the, it was our lack of of intelligence at at the soil level of our bodies, or in our gardens, or in our farm fields, and we we have been destroying that microbial diversity that would lead to a balanced ecosystem. And so we we call them pathogens. We call them you know these these uh, dangerous germs, but in fact they've been here since the beginning of time in some shape or form and and this whole concept of militarizing things all that humans can't even touch the speed of biodiversity the bio, biodiversification of the virus we, they are so fast in replication and they are so fast to shift their genomics we can't keep up with that there's no laboratory in the world that can do it as fast as nature does it nature is an adaptive beautiful machine well i mean that would leave so it's important here. I want to summarize what, what we've just understood. Um, first off, he's saying that it's very unlikely that a laboratory produced any kind of a virulent uh, virus, even if uh, they claim that it can replicate it 8 million times the normal speed, because these viruses and biodiversity replicate at a trillion times. I mean, it's it, there is no number that you could actually compare. So uh, Zach Bush is, I believe, accurately explaining how a combination of these antibiotics used in the animal supply, in the human use, and the type of pesticides and chemicals, estrogen dominant chem chemicals, uh, glycosphites, um, these uh, if you will, weed killers that are massively spread throughout our crops in, 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 in the millions of pounds have gotten to the point where our own body's health and immune system is compromised. What do we do? We buy organic. What do we do? GMO-free. What do we do? We make sure that we're not having to take antibiotics, that you learn what I'm teaching in Blood Doesn't Lie, the book is available right now. Uh, the ebook you can get on Amazon on Kindle Books, and I'm so excited about it. Uh, endorsed by Dr. Neil Batsniff, uh, Dr. Joseph Maroon, Dr. Ronald Klatz, uh, Dr. Sangeeta Patty, Dr. Kathleen Geringer. Some of the top doctors in the world uh, are talking about this new book. Blood Doesn't Lie. Check it out on Amazon. Just type in my name, Nick Delgado, and you will then understand that the concentrations in the map around the world where the most air pollution, which this is why <laughs> I have um, uh, air cleaning devices like Airfresh Everest, HEPA filters. Um, I go outdoors near the ocean where the... the uh, use of the the weather, the ability of the climate to cleanse the air and all these things because the areas where these breakouts occurred were the greatest concentration in parts of China, parts of uh, New Orleans, parts of New York, and uh, in northern Italy where the highest amount of this roundup, these 
uh, toxic chemicals were used along with the greatest amount of air pollution. That's where these people were suffocating. Uh, uh, it was almost like carbon monoxide or arsenic poisoning. We're now learning that a special type of vitamin B12 can help to deactivate that because it renders the arsenic uh, uh, harmless and also uh, oxygen therapy. This is published in a recent study. So you're going to be able to see all the current studies, the research, the journals, the support, the foods to eat, the cycles to support a very strong, healthy immune system. I am excited to know it and I want you to get this book. It's available now. And uh, if you have any questions, contact our office. We have a coaching program available as well at nickdelgado.com. That's right at nickdelgado.com. And uh, we're able to help people now finally to, to get, uh, shall I say, the truth. Because blood doesn't lie. Uh, I, I'm going to have more segments coming up and uh, how we can kind of weather the storm together. Because we only have about a year left of the next uh, viral cycle, as Zach Bush predicts. Triple board certified endocrinology, hospice, and internal medicine. I agree he's spot on because each of the coronaviruses in the past had a cycle of about two years. And meanwhile, it's up to us. And I'm going to share with you certain things in the book that I've come across in obscure journals and information that no one's talking about. We've been doing the COVID uh, test, antigen test. Um, you're going to find out some amazing things of what we've discovered and sharing with the top doctors in the world. So this is Dr. Nick Delgado. Be strong, be well. I want you to sincerely get this book, share it. Uh, I want you to be aware that we have some incredible opportunities for you and I to change the planet with some of the most amazing doctors in the world, including Dr. Joel Furman, who will be my guest. And uh, tune in. That's uh, for those of you who hear this podcast. Uh, July 21st, Dr. Joel Furman will be available in studio 12 p.m. Uh, that is via Skype, and we'll be interviewing him for an amazing story. Uh, each, each week, we're coming out with new great information and uh, a lot of opportunities. So check out our website, nickdelgado.com. Click on the links to the videos, the websites. And uh, once again, this show is made possible by you sharing with your friends, your loved ones. Now is your chance to figure it all out because we've done the work for you. Just a quick read. Uh, the book is an ebook. Blood Doesn't Lie. And it's coming out in print shortly after. We're really excited about it. So thanks, everyone. Hey, guys, I got to tell you, the new coaching program has come out. And we're excited about the coaching program because the coaching program is at nickdelgado.com. We'd love to help to guide you, to coach you on your health journey. And now you can apply for the special coaching program. And you can also get our special book, Immune Rejuvenation. Just leave your name and email, and you're going to get one of the best books written on this whole subject. We are excited to know, Anne, and I got to tell you that, you know, the whole idea of immune rejuvenation has come. Mm -hmm.